Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of Rambling with Ryu. I'm Bean. I'm Nancy. And we have a very special guest here with us today. Uh, Ashley Milky is here with us. Ashley and I met, oh, quite a few years ago now, mm-hmm. before I was paralyzed. So right, it was or, right, right after, after yeah, about six, about six months after. That's right. Yeah, that's right. And uh, I was did her makeup for her mm-hmm. professional shoots and stuff, and that's how we kind of became friends. And um, now both of us are running uh, amazing businesses that are helping a lot of people. And uh, she has founded the Grief and Trauma Healing Center here in Edmonton, and we're going to talk a lot about it today. Yay! So welcome, Ashley. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited. Yeah, me too. Yeah, why don't you dive into a little bit more about who you are and what you do? Yeah, yeah sure. So thank you guys for having me. I'm so happy to be here. So I'm a registered psychologist by trade and an advanced certified grief recovery specialist. And I like to say that because that was sort of like the path I wanted to take since 11 years old. Mm-hmm. But what led me into the work that I do now was my own loss. So, um, I mean, I can go back years of, of various losses that I experienced, but in 2010, my dad died by suicide after relapsing into alcohol and drug addiction. And, um, after he died, I realized how ill-equipped I was to deal with grief Mm -hmm. and how ill-equipped we are as a culture and as a society. And so, you know, a couple of years later, um, I started my own journey of healing and recovery. So I'm sure we'll get to this later, but I went through a really transformational program that changed my life. And it was actually the day after I completed that program that I started my business. Wow. Literally the day after (laughs) I, it was so, it was so healing. It was so transformational and life changing that I knew I had to bring this program to our city and to the people that we serve. So that's when I started the grief and trauma healing center. So that was almost seven years ago now. So we've served thousands of people of all ages and backgrounds, and we specialize in the grief recovery method. Mm -hmm. So that's a little bit about what I do and what brings me here. Yeah. So what is grief? There's so much misinformation when it comes to what grief is. So I would say like the definition of grief is the normal and natural response to loss of any kind. And the more wordy definition is the conflicting feelings caused by the end or change in a familiar pattern of behavior. So I love that definition because it really encompasses losses of any kind. Mm -hmm. If you think about it, when we typically think of grief, what do we think of? Like a death. death. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And so I like to ask people that, like, what do we grieve for? And everybody says death. And I'm like, and what else? And it's like, oh, people stop to think, like, are there other things that we can actually grieve? Mm-hmm. And it's like, yes, there's actually over 43 forms of loss mm-hmm. that can create wow. the feelings of grief. Mm-hmm. So even in our practice, you know, we get the question like, wow, you work with people who are grieving the death of a loved one. Yes, that's probably one third of our mm-hmm. business. Mm-hmm. The other two thirds are like divorce and breakup yeah. and loss of trust and loss of safety and, you know, tra- uh, traumatic grief. Mm-hmm. So there's so many experiences that we can have that can create the feelings of grief. Is there a healthy way to deal with grief? Yes. So I'd like to ask you guys what you think. Like when we think about the messages we hear mm-hmm. about how to deal with grief or p- things that people say or even things that we've said. Mm-hmm. with like the best heart and well-meaning what are the things that we're told to do when we're grieving what do you hear don't cry 
Yeah, don't cry. Don't show it, yeah. you know? Like, suck it up. You're a big girl or you're... Yeah. You tough it out. Yes. Yeah. Like, you have to be strong. Mm-hmm. And you have to keep busy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then enough time will pass. Mm-hmm. And then everything will be okay. Yeah. And that's essentially what I heard when my dad died. Mm-hmm. Was mm-hmm. like, you have to be strong. Keep busy. Give it time. And then I became a workaholic. <laughs> so... What can look like a healthy way to mm-hmm. deal with grief mm-hmm. often is actually a way to avoid and distract mm-hmm. and escape from the feelings that we're carrying. So what we don't want to do is everything we've been taught to do. <laughs> so when people come to me, it's like we're automatically looking for like, what are the sh- kind of quick fixes? Yeah. What are the ways that I can avoid the feelings that I'm having? Mm-hmm. So what I like to say is it's actually the path of most resistance that we have to take as opposed to least resistance, right? Yeah. So we have to deal with our grief head on. It's like we invite it to sit next to us on the couch to to allow it to teach us what it's here to to teach us Mm -hmm. and to feel all of the feelings that we're carrying inside and processing those in the moment when we have them. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's one piece of it yeah yeah it's a very different way of looking at grief and so since since it is so different have you encountered any pushback or any um, challenges bringing that kind of mentality to a society where you know the majority of us are doing well like the wrong thing yeah the avoidance yeah like that's what that's our we live in an avoidance culture so yes all the time (laughs) (laughs) i mean i think people are they're surprised, but they're not surprised yeah. that I'm saying we actually have to, we actually have to go through it to get to the other side. We mm-hmm. actually have to feel the pain and embrace it. And that can be really scary and overwhelming mm-hmm. because often it's like for a lifetime, all I've known is how to avoid and distract, yeah. Yeah. right? And numb out. So now you're asking me to feel all of the pain that I'm feeling, mm-hmm. but it's like, I think of it as collecting fur balls in your body. So like every loss that's not processed, every feeling that's not processed becomes trapped and stored in our body. Mm-hmm. So by the time someone will come and see me, they're often like right at that breaking point where it's like they cannot take one more thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's it's often a uncomfortable, yeah. painful, emotional journey, mm-hmm. but so worth it. Mm-hmm. So, so worth it. So I always tell people like, hang on, trust the process. Mm-hmm. I would never ask you to do something I wouldn't do for yeah. myself. Yeah. Right. When you say process, I, I'm sure people are wondering, what does that look like? Yes. So it's such a good question. It's such a like a clinical thing that we say, right? <laughs> process your feelings. So what I like to help people do is become really in tune with what it feels like when an emotion comes up. So if I were to ask you, even Nancy, mm-hmm. like when you have a sad feeling, mm-hmm. where do you tend to feel it in your body? Different way of looking at it. Yeah. yeah. Right? Yeah. So if I'm giving putting you on a, the spot. Yeah, giving it a physical location. Yeah. I mean, it'll probably be a heart area. Yeah. 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 Me too. It's like kind of like, oh, it's like kind yeah. of like a heavy chest mm-hmm. yeah. or you feel like the lump in your throat. Yeah. So that's yeah. really common with grief, yeah. but we become so disconnected from our body. Right. Mm-hmm. So like, okay, when the sad feeling comes up and you feel the heaviness in your mm-hmm. chest and you start to feel your eyes about to water. Mm-hmm. Like identify what that feeling is. Mm -hmm. 
oh, I feel sad or I feel lonely or I feel scared. Mm -hmm. And then if there's tears, like feel the feeling, like let it come instead Mm -hmm. of like swallowing it down Mm -hmm. and then going and like cleaning your house or (laughs) putting on your Netflix or whatever you're going to do to distract. Feel it until it passes Mm -hmm. and just give yourself that grace Mm -hmm. to have the feeling Mm -hmm. and it will pass. Mm -hmm. Like feelings are fleeting. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I like to say to people, like when you have – a happy feeling or you're full of gratitude or joy, does that last forever? No, no, it passes (laughs) the same thing with our sad feelings. Mm -hmm. So when we actually try to avoid them, we actually compartmentalize them and stuff them and actually get to keep them. (laughs) So we're, we're actually creating the outcome that we don't want that emotional baggage basically. Yeah. Um, what are some misconceptions when it comes to grief? So, oh gosh, there's so many. And as you know, like the six major myths, we yeah. could talk about that for like hours. Yeah. I'd say, you know, the biggest ones, there's like the three that go really well together. The biggest advice that we're given is really that time heals all wounds. Mm-hmm. We hear things like you just have to give it time, you know, give it a year. Mm-hmm. It'll feel better then. Or, you know, in two years or even like months and weeks, we hear these things that really make no sense. Mm -hmm. So then it gives you this illusion that if you just wait a certain amount of time, Mm -hmm. everything will be better. Right. Mm -hmm. But really, what are you doing within that time? Mm -hmm. Expecting it to get better. Right. Not doing anything. Right. Right. So it's like when your clients go to Ryu, Mm -hmm. would you ever say to them, oh, time will heal that injury? (laughs) Maybe true, but it's what you do in the in the waiting period. <laughs> yes, right? Yes. They don't just yeah. come to your center and sit and wait. Yeah. 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 They're actually putting in the work. And yeah. so I see this as the emotional weightlifting. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it's the yeah. it's what you do within the time that helps to heal our emotional pain. And we are of the opinion, and I certainly am, that we don't have to wait for a certain amount of time to pass before we can start to heal our our grief. Mm -hmm. A lot of people will say you need to wait at least a year before you can go and do the work. But I'm like, but I don't, I don't understand. So Mm -hmm. emotionally I bleed to death for a year, Mm -hmm. become cemented in my pain and in my habits of avoidance. And then I can start to heal in my relationship. No. Yeah. Right. So mm-hmm. I'm like, when people show up, which is so amazing, I'm talking like two, three weeks after death, mm-hmm. six weeks after death, three mm-hmm. months, like, I'm like, wow, I just, you know, admire the courage mm-hmm. that people have mm-hmm. in addressing their pain right away. Mm-hmm. And then of course, taking action. So I'd say that's the big one. Time heals all wounds. Um, another big one is grieve alone. Mm-hmm. Right. Where it's like, we think <laughs> that we have to keep all of our sad feelings to ourselves. We're not allowed to share the, those with others. Yeah. Or if I do share a feeling with you, then it's going to make you feel uncomfortable in mm-hmm. some way. Right? Yes. And I think the other side of that is because we're so ill-equipped and don't know what to say oftentimes, mm-hmm. someone will say, say the wrong thing yeah. or something that's not helpful. And then we just feel like, okay, I'm definitely not going to open up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm guilty of it. I think all of us are guilty of yeah. Saying these things to people. Yeah, yes. with every good intention and, you yeah. know, you say the, something that just sets somebody off and you're just like, what did I say? What did I do? And they've already yeah. gone and the damage has been done. Yes. Yeah. Because we're just repeating what we've been taught, mm-hmm. right? So we have to give ourselves grace and compassion too, mm-hmm. that we're just repeating things that have been said to us mm-hmm. and our intentions are good. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So we need to, we heal in relationship. We don't heal in isolation. Yes. 
We need to be with people. And that's what's so beautiful about even the work you do and I do is like we get to help increase that participation Mm -hmm. of like talking about these really hard things Mm -hmm. and they don't have to go through it alone. Mm -hmm. So, and then I wanted to say my third one, keep busy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And like think of Western culture and even Alberta culture. Mm -hmm. Like we are a working culture. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's what we do. (laughs) And like that is my disturb my short-term energy relieving behavior mm-hmm. I know is when I when I'm going through a difficult time or something's come up mm-hmm. that's like a very slippery slope for me is like I will then slip into workaholism mm-hmm. as a way to keep busy and avoid and distract right. but if you think like from the outside looking in when someone's keeping busy exercising working yeah. socializing mm-hmm. what do we think well, they're doing good they must mm-hmm. be doing great yeah and then I have to keep up that sort of image and that facade that people think that I'm this really strong person and I've got it all together and I don't need help and I've moved on, which is often not the case. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I took your course, the grief recovery method and our organizations have worked together. So we offered the grief recovery program uh, as a group program just this past January and it was awesome. And I was a little scared when we first started it. The first couple of weeks were like, okay, fluffy stuff, right? The head stuff. (laughs) And then it gets like deep and it really makes you look at yourself and the losses you faced and stuff. And I remember when it was a Wednesday, we did every Wednesday night. And that Wednesday I was like, well, maybe I'll just skip this one. (laughs) I don't think I want to go. I'm good. Yeah, no, I'm fine. I'm going to sit out here while they all go in the back and do it. But ultimately I knew I couldn't bail because it's my business. So (laughs) I had to go. But I'm really glad I did. And I was, I think the fear of facing all of that stuff is bigger than what it actually is. Because after we did it, like I felt so much better. And a lot of the people in our group as well, right? Everybody just felt so much lighter. It was hard. It was not easy. Lots of tears in that room, right? But lots Mm -hmm. of trust. And after the eight week program, the people of us who were in that group just have a special bond. And I think it's an amazing program that you're offering. And it's something that, like with what we're doing, is very groundbreaking, is new. It requires a new thought process. And I think that's where some people kind of... Balk at it. Yes. Right? Okay. But having gone through it myself, and uh, I think I'm like, I'm going to do it again and again and again because there's so much loss that has you have faced in your... Well, I faced in my life. Mm -hmm. Um, It's changed how I help people because people come to us, you know, looking for motivation, for guidance Mm -hmm. and for like strength. Mm -hmm. And it's hard being that person that everyone's taking that relies on your strength. Mm -hmm. Right. But after taking this course, it really allowed me to listen a lot better. Whereas before I wasn't. And it's talking about the myths and stuff. I mean, like, I'm so guilty of saying all of these things to a lot of our clients and my friends and family members and stuff. Mm -hmm. It's hard to change your thought process, right? But once you do, I mean, people just open up to you a lot more and you just feel that you're actually helping people. Yes. Thanks, man. I love that. (laughs) Thanks for sharing that. And that's the beautiful thing about having that education on grief Mm -hmm. and going through a process like the grief recovery method is it's not only 
helping yourself. Mm -hmm. It's like this gift you get to give to everybody else as well. And it's just, that's the transformational nature of it is it's going to influence your relationships in the most beautiful way. So you kind of touched on it a little bit, but tell us what STURBs are. What's STURBing? I love STURBs. This is like literally one of my favorite concepts ever. So that's the acronym for short-term energy relieving behaviors. STURBs can be a substance or a behavior. And these are really the slippery slope into addiction. Mm -hmm. So these are all of the avoidance behaviors that we turn to when we're grieving. And even when we're not grieving, Mm -hmm. we all have stirbs, even when we're not um, going through a loss. So um, there are so many, some of the more obvious ones would be food. Mm -hmm. That's like a big stirb of mine Mm -hmm. that I'd be really mindful of. (laughs) Alcohol, drugs, smoking, uh, Netflix or TV, Mm -hmm. right? Uh, Workaholism, shopping or retail therapy. That's me. That is a big one, especially for us women. Right? Okay, not Nancy. Maybe exercise. No. No. Okay. What are your stirbs? That's a good question. Yeah. I mean, you know, a couple months ago I'd probably say food. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, you don't really video game. Nope. That is another one. Yeah. Gaming, totally. Yeah. Uh, vaping. Mm-hmm. Um, what are some other things? Sleeping. And a lot of, for women, mm-hmm. an interesting one is cleaning. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. They're like, oh, that's what I'm doing. After <laughs> <laughs> my sister. <laughs> Cleaning or like, you know, like taking things out, like de-hoarding a space. Yeah. Cleaning out like a storage room. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I hear that a lot. Cooking, baking. Mm-hmm. Um, and then things like isolation. Mm-hmm. Herb, a really okay. common disturb as well. Oh, really? Yes. So it's like you, for that moment, you let out that emotional energy and you yeah. feel, you think you feel better, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. But it's like everything beneath the surface of that anger is still there. Interesting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I'm sure people are listening and wondering at what point does it cross over to that stir yes. classification? Yes. So we would say any behavior that we use as a short-term reliever mm-hmm. would be a stirb, but mm-hmm. that's not necessarily a bad thing. Mm-hmm. So I love to run. I would say, you know, we call it runner's high. Mm-hmm. Well, that would be a stirb, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. It's not a bad thing. Mm-hmm. Now it's when we misuse the behavior. Mm-hmm. So now, okay, maybe you enjoy a glass of wine at night mm-hmm. at, at, at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. But if you come to me and say, now I'm drinking a bottle of wine at night, mm-hmm. is this a problem? Mm-hmm. That's the slippery soap where it turns from, uh, I enjoy this, mm-hmm, to mm-hmm. now I'm misusing, right. which is often what we hear even with grief. It's right. like too much alcohol, too much food. Mm-hmm. Oh, they started smoking again. Mm-hmm. So it's making that connection between like, oh, okay, or you're at the casino every day. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's like that the problem with STURBS is they only work temporarily. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So for a moment or an hour, yeah, you feel different, mm-hmm. but then everything just comes flooding back, mm-hmm. right? So we have to be really mindful of yeah. our STURBS. Candy Crush is one of mine. See? <laughs> I think there are millions of people. I'm I'm just going to play Candy Crush. (laughs) Even like social media. Mm -hmm. Yes. Mm -hmm. Instagram, Facebook, even just the scrolling. Yeah. That's Mm -hmm. a stirb. It's just like escape. Yeah. And we do it so unconsciously. Like that's the scary thing, right? Yeah. Makes you really look at yourself and your actions. (laughs) Why am I doing what I'm doing? (laughs) Yes. 
Okay, so we've been talking about STURBS. Um, so let's talk a little bit more about signs that we're unresolving. So, I mean, you've talked about the tipping point of going, you know, more and more into those STURBS. But where, where, how do we know from an outside perspective, I guess, looking in or inside looking out, mm-hmm. when that becomes that unresolved grief? Or was it always? Yeah, such a good point. Great question. So every person's different. So it's hard to say that it'll be, like, clear cut. Mm-hmm. But what we would typically see is... When people are avoiding talking about or thinking about mm-hmm. the person who died, the the person they're now divorced from mm-hmm. or they're estranged from, like there's just complete avoidance of talking about or thinking about. Or we see that they'll only talk about one half of the relationship, mm-hmm. just the positive half. We call that enshrinement. Okay. So when we talk about a shrine mm-hmm. or enshrinement, it's like only seeing the positive part. Or, which is really common when there's been a loss of trust, a divorce, mm-hmm. or an abusive, uh, an abuser has died or, or something like that, um, is bedevilment. So we talk about just the negative mm-hmm. part of the relationship. So those are really common signs of unresolved grief. Mm-hmm. And, and people create, and it's really natural. I've done this myself, where we almost create these larger-than-life memory pictures of the person. Mm-hmm. And it's like, were they really that bad? Yeah. Or were they really that perfect? Mm-hmm. And so we want to bring people back down to mm-hmm. like, what was the truth? Mm-hmm. The accurate memory picture of the person who lived mm-hmm. and the truth about your relationship. Some other signs would be a full-blown addiction that mm-hmm. develops mm-hmm. and other lifestyle changes, whether that's complete isolation, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And avoidance of just anything that involves risk. Mm-hmm. Um, out of fear. So it really becomes a fear-driven life. Mm-hmm. Do you see it where it goes the complete opposite, I guess, where they become more risk-driven? Yes, like a high-risk mm-hmm. lifestyle. Mm-hmm. Totally. Like mm-hmm. self-sabotage. Mm-hmm. Yes, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And I, we would see that more um, with someone who ha- who struggles with addiction mm-hmm. and just not not seeing the value in even their life, mm-hmm. right? Or the value in healing yeah. because it's so painful yeah. mm-hmm. their loss is so painful mm-hmm. yeah those people it's harder mm-hmm. to get that buy-in for for healing mm-hmm. because to imagine actually having to feel everything mm-hmm. and not mm-hmm. just numb out is really scary it is really scary and especially we're raised in this environment society where it's not acceptable right to feel mm-hmm. your emotions we're often told from when we're kids not to feel emotions. And I went to one of the workshops where you were speaking. This story really stuck out to me. You had said that one of your clients or somebody said that they never get angry. They never, ever feel anger. And so you were like, okay, well, put this elastic around your your wrist. Mm -hmm. And every time in the next two day or two, every time you feel anger, like snap it. And that person came back and was like, I'm angry every half an hour, right? (laughs) And then that really got me thinking, like, do we really even feel our emotions? Yeah, we're taught to sort of like numb. So I like to think of it as there's sort of this line Mm -hmm. and you're allowed to stay within a box. The line's in the middle and Mm -hmm. this is how big the box is. Mm -hmm. Up a little bit, like a little happy and a little sad, but you have to stay in this yeah. box, right? This is what's socially acceptable. Mm-hmm. So if I feel this, the heights of joy and happiness and gratitude and excitement, something must be wrong with you. You're a crazy mm-hmm. person. 
right? Why is she so happy? Yeah. We don't like her. She's weird. <laughs> yeah. Or if we dip down into like the depths of pain and suffering, mm-hmm. then it's like we, we're often just diagnosed with depression, yeah. mm-hmm. right? And the truth is like we are built and created to feel all of these feelings mm-hmm. and to ride mm-hmm. this wave of emotion. That's normal and natural. And when we numb out the bottom half of our feelings, mm-hmm. we also numb out the top half of our feelings. Yeah. We cannot just compartmentalize this and put it away right. and feel all of this. It doesn't work that way. Yeah. Right? So it's yeah. like only, and I, I know I'm an example of this in my life too, like only in feeling like the, the darkest, most excruciating feelings of my life mm-hmm. have I been able to really be in those moments of like such profound gratitude and peace. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like that movie Inside Out. Uh, see, I haven't seen it you yet. You haven't seen it? Oh my goodness, Ashley. I need to watch it <laughs> tonight. There's no happiness without sadness. <laughs> yes, right? Yes. How, would we, how would we know light without knowing dark? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, let's backtrack a little bit. You were talking about the buy-in. So what yes. does that look like? Give me so more. So it's different for different people. You were going to, you know, know that right off the bat. Um, but in terms of when is somebody ready to deal with grief? You got the good questions, Nancy. Um, So we would say, firstly, if you've booked your appointment, step one, Mm -hmm. you found the courage to reach out for support. Mm -hmm. And so we also, like, let's say your sister called me and Mm -hmm. said, my sister Nancy needs to get in to see you. Mm -hmm. I would say, okay, so are you booking the appointment or or is Nancy booking the appointment? Mm -hmm. Okay, so if Nancy would like to come in, Mm -hmm. give her our number Mm -hmm. and she can call when she's ready. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Because we get that a lot, right? <laughs> We're like the mom or the wife or the husband calls yeah. to book in the person. So number one, you've made the appointment. Number two, you've showed up to your appointment and mm-hmm. you didn't cancel it. But you probably wanted to because yeah. you were really scared mm-hmm. and nervous about coming in. And then really during that first session, I can I can determine quite quickly where the level of commitment and motivation is. Mm-hmm. Even if there's a tremendous amount of fear and hesitation, mm-hmm. you can still sense that like, you know, I want to feel better. Mm-hmm. I want to heal. Mm-hmm. I'm tired of feeling this way or I'm seeking new tools. I'll do what whatever you recommend. Mm-hmm. Let's do it. If they commit to the grief recovery program in the first session, then, mm-hmm. then it, we're pretty, you know, pretty much good to go. Mm-hmm. The points where I start to see people become more hesitant is doing those those heavier emotional exercises mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. like the loss history graph the relationship graph like really deep diving into yeah. the relationship but even then it's just giving them that encouragement mm-hmm. that like let's see it through mm-hmm. you've come this far <clears throat> so i would say in our practice most people who show up is there i guess an element of truth to they have to want it themselves yeah a hundred percent. Absolutely. It's all about perception of value. Mm-hmm. So if you perceive this as valuable to your life mm-hmm. and in your well-being and in your happiness, mm-hmm. oh, it's going to be amazing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And if you go all in, you'll get out what you put in, mm-hmm. right? And if you just half-ass it, you get half-ass results. Yeah. So I'm very assertive with my clients about that as well. Like, mm-hmm. I cannot do the work for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You show up, you work hard, yeah. you're going to reap the benefits. And if you drop out, you know what? Hope that 
we've planted enough seeds Mm -hmm. and when they're ready, possibly maybe they'll come back. Mm -hmm. So I guess for people listening, um, and they are that person who wants to call in for somebody else, what advice can you give them to get or help get that person ready for that commitment? Yes. What my question would be that would probably come as a surprise is what are you doing to take care of yourself? Mm -hmm. And did you also grieve the loss that your loved one is grieving? Yeah. So I actually would say if you are motivated to do the work yourself, mm-hmm. you can actually be an example for your friend or your loved one yeah. mm-hmm. and say, wow. see, this is what I'm doing yeah. mm-hmm. and set that example and set that tone for mm-hmm. them. And then hopefully they'll be willing to do it. And that's what we'll often see. Mm-hmm. There was a... Um, 20 something year old who came in who her brother had died, Mm -hmm. uh, early thirties. So she had originally wanted her mom to come in Mm -hmm. as she was grieving her son. And so she decided to do the program. Mm -hmm. Her mom started to witness this amazing transformation throughout the program. Mm -hmm. And then, so after she completed it, her mom came in and did the work. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it was like, she needed to see how it was impacting her daughter Mm -hmm. before she was ready to take that next step. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I would say, if you want someone in your life to get help, do the work first. Mm -hmm. That's really really nice. Yeah. 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 And then, I mean, let's just take a little different perspective. We've been talking a lot about like death and that kind of grief. Mm -hmm. So let's just say like a very personal injury or a, you know, medical diagnosis or something to that effect where you're, you're there's only one person experiencing that but there's others looking in yeah. that are still in that personal circle so somebody might you know let's just say it's not the person who's in the diagnosis that's they're not the ones coming but let's say a family member is so how do they then help and assist and relate that back because i mean we have a lot of people that would say well you don't know what i'm going through or that mm-hmm. side of things <laughs> yeah um, so the question is, so, um, I guess with the death, like everyone else around has experienced that, but now we have different experiences. So I guess with the grief and going through it and going through the healing for themselves, how relatable mm-hmm. is that back around to the person experiencing it on a very personal level? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Now I see what you're saying. I think it's, it's. It's the, them being that example that, mm-hmm. you know, they might not know exactly how the other person's feeling because we never know. Yeah. We never know. Even mm-hmm. if we're grieving the same loss mm-hmm. and even the example of someone's had an injury or an accident, mm-hmm. um, like I've worked with some, some of your people mm-hmm. from Ryu mm-hmm. and it's like they have that personal injury, mm-hmm. but their loved ones are also grieving yeah. that mm-hmm. loss of, of bodily, um, function or, right? The paralysis or whatever and loss of lifestyle, all of that. Mm -hmm. So we encourage like all the people to go Mm -hmm. through the program because they are going to experience it in their own unique way. Mm -hmm. But if you see me taking these actions, Mm -hmm. it might just inspire you to do it for you, even though our experience might be different. Mm -hmm. And then we can still talk about like what grief is, different types of loss, the myths, Mm -hmm. stirbs. We can like that can be a language mm-hmm. that we speak. Yeah. And then also practicing emotional honesty in our relationships. Mm-hmm. So that's a piece I, I really like to emphasize in my work is telling the truth about how we feel. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's hard sometimes. It's so hard. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's one of the uh, most challenging things that we can grow into as people is like telling the truth about ourselves. Yeah. Yeah. And even having hard conversations, right? Yeah. But I say we define love as honest communication. Mm-hmm. 
It's not always easy <laughs> or comfortable. <laughs> no, no. But that's, you know, that's what we do for the people we love. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I don't know. Does that answer your question, Nancy? I think Kinda? so. Yeah. 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 I think it's like getting that inspiration from the people around us. They're like, mm-hmm. gosh, wow, look at her. Look mm-hmm. what's happening. She's transforming. Something's changing in mm-hmm. her. Yeah. And I want what she has. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so. Can it flip around and become, uh, I guess, an aspect of jealousy? Mm. Sure. <laughs> right? And then yeah. could that be more damaging to the relationship? Or how do you work that out? And where does that end up going? Because I know that can be concerned for lots of people. And that's why I think some people tend to hide and reel back their emotions. Right? And and don't speak about certain things in front of certain people. Because they're like, oh, well, you know, if I say that, this is going to happen. Mm-hmm. So they're expecting a specific response. And I mean, I think to an extent, because of our society and uh, how everything's been conditioned... Mm-hmm that's almost expected and it might happen so kind of how did how does that side approach or speak to you know just that fear aspect i guess of of going through it but then having that uh retract that person you know pull away yeah rather than become closer it's like that brings up some really interesting dynamics right that i get really curious about Mm -hmm. yeah um of like what is happening in the relationship Mm -hmm. where there might be fear of growing or Mm -hmm. evolving or Mm -hmm. healing Mm -hmm. or even like asserting yourself in a new way Mm -hmm. communicating in a new way right and so it would go back to we can only be responsible for ourselves Mm -hmm. and not for the reactions of others Mm -hmm. that's hard Mm-hmm. It is hard. And it's like, but it's so important mm-hmm. for our growth that if I want to grow, you know, this, this is about me. Mm-hmm. And if you cannot accept that mm-hmm. or support that or encourage it, mm-hmm. I have to think about, you know, how this relationship is serving me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And are there boundaries that need to be set? Are there conversations yeah. that need to be set? Yeah. Does the relationship have to end? Is there abuse in the relationship? Mm-hmm. Like there's so many mm-hmm. dynamics, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. But I would say if we're growing and someone is going to try and pull us down Mm -hmm. or hurt us or reject us for that, Mm -hmm. it says more about them Mm -hmm. than it does about us. Mm -hmm. So you've talked about the grief recovery method a little bit. Um, So what is it? Yeah. So the the way I like to define it is it's an action-oriented program designed to help grieving people complete a relationship that's ended or changed due to death, divorce, or any other circumstance. Okay. So what's unique about the program is that it is action-oriented and it is evidence-based, which is really exciting mm-hmm. for us, especially in the clinical field. Mm-hmm. So we like things that are evidence-based to say that it's actually been found to be effective for yeah. healing grief. Mm-hmm. So yeah, people take action. There's two major uh, parts of the program. First part of the program is we call discovery. So this is really that sort of psychoeducation, intellectual information around what we've talked about, what grief is, different types of loss, the myths, Mm -hmm. um, your belief system around grief, Mm -hmm. how you've attempted to deal with grief in your life, Mm -hmm. and then your loss history. Mm -hmm. So looking at the losses that have impacted your life. Then we have the second part. This is where like the rubber meets the road. It's Mm -hmm. like, now that we have this foundation, we move into recovery where we take three major actions to complete one relationship that's ended or changed. So that could be anything. I mean, you name it, Mm -hmm. you could pick it, whatever loss you want to work on. Mm -hmm. We do three major steps to complete what's unfinished 
in that relationship. So we discover all the things you wish were better, different, more, and all the hopes, dreams, and expectations you're grieving mm-hmm. because that relationship ended, including relationship with your physical body, mm-hmm. which is, can be really healing. Yeah. Right. Completing yeah. that part of your life. So that is the grief recovery program in a nutshell. Uh, the goal is completion. Mm-hmm. So again, discovering and completing everything unfinished and anything that may be keeping you stuck mm-hmm. and say, saying goodbye to that. And then sort of preparing you for, you know, what's next mm-hmm. and continuing that emotional relationship forever. And I mean, we've kind of touched on a little bit about the different kind of types of uh, the individual versus the group side of things. Yeah. How does a person know which one would be better for them at uh, a point in time? Yeah, it's a great question. Personal preference. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, I think people know sort of, it's like that intuition that like, ah, uh, you know, I just, I'm really private or I'm really nervous. I'd prefer to do it one-on-one mm-hmm. or people really love that group environment where mm-hmm. they can be with other grieving people. Mm-hmm. grieving various losses yeah. and they would feel safe doing that. So right. it's really, you know, people are, are pretty good at determining what feels right. Mm-hmm. And then if someone goes into a group and they're like, you know what? I just, I can't do this group thing. Mm-hmm. We can easily move them into a one-on-one, okay. which is really wonderful. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So there's options. For sure. Yeah. So you have a lot of experience with dealing with, I'm sure lots of people with lots of different type of grief. What would you say to somebody who has recently gone through traumatic experience. What would you say to them about grief and about, I don't know, I guess what would you say? So like as a (laughs) a professional, and then I think we'll talk about as like a a lay person. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So as a professional, I think you have a lot more tools in your toolbox. Mm -hmm. Right. So I guess let's talk from that uh, perspective first. Well, and I would say I'm like, I show up as me in every environment and I really, um, want to be as authentic as I can. So whether you are my client or my friend, I would actually say the same things. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't say, okay, now we're going to set up like our therapy session if you're my friend, Mm -hmm. but I would say the same thing, which is like, you know, firstly, I can't imagine Mm -hmm. what it must feel like for you to go through this. Um, And I want you to know that everything you're feeling is completely normal and natural. Mm -hmm. There's nothing wrong with you. You're not broken. Mm -hmm. You're not defective. And to just give yourself grace, give yourself grace and give yourself permission just to be right. Because I think we put that pressure on ourselves to like, I've got to be strong and I've got to keep together and I have to like power through. It's like, no, no, just take the time that you need. Mm -hmm. And as from like, as a friend perspective, it would be like checking in. Mm -hmm. So even right now I have a few teammates who are going through some stuff. And so i I don't say, you know, if you need anything, call me. Mm -hmm. That's the last thing they're going to do. So I'll say, I will be checking in with you regularly. Mm -hmm. And then obviously if it's a client, we would be seeing them. Right. Mm -hmm. I think I would start with that. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I guess, are there any phrases that we should, you know, kind of step back from as a society even? Like, you know, just in terms of the the common things we say, I know we've touched on a few already, (laughs) but are there, you know, ones that really are not helpful? Yes. So another great question. Um, anything that appeals to the intellect or falls under the category of advice we want to avoid. Mm-hmm. So keep busy, be strong, give it time. It's also all those cliche yep. sayings. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Don't feel bad. They're no longer suffering. Mm-hmm. 
I right? understand. Yeah. I understand. Yeah. yeah. I know exactly how you feel. Mm-hmm. We we don't know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Even if you've had a parallel loss, like going through divorce. Right. Mm-hmm. We will still not know what the other person felt going no. through that. Yeah. Right. So we have to just honor that. So anything that's, yes, mm-hmm. the cliches, you know, yeah. God will never give you more than you can handle. Um, they're in a better place or it could have been worse or what I've heard with people with injuries or paralysis is like, well, you know, at least you could, didn't die. Yes. <laughs> at least you didn't die. It could have been worse. Be grateful. Yeah. Yeah. All these things that really minimize the emotional experience. Yeah. So we want to say things like just being honest, mm-hmm. like, I don't know what to say. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm so sorry that you're going through this. Mm-hmm. I'm so sorry for your sadness. Um, I can't imagine how painful this has been. Mm -hmm. I wish things were different. Mm -hmm. I'm here for you. Can I give you a hug? Mm -hmm. Right? Yeah. Which is hard right now in COVID times. Yes. Can I give you like an air (laughs) hug or a virtual (laughs) hug? Right? And just checking in. Like, how are you? And not just like, how are you? But like, how are you? Mm -hmm. Right? It's really in the tone. Yeah. And taking that time just to check in. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's good yeah. advice. Yeah. Was well, the one that, you know, stands out to me is, is the, you know, if you need anything, call or mm-hmm. something like that. And something that's so frivolously done and so easily done, mm-hmm. right? Where it's like, oh, well, if you need anything, call me. But it's, you're taking the action if you're checking in yeah. rather than waiting for them to take the action where they not, might not feel comfortable doing that. Mm-hmm. Well, it's like, we're so, we, it's such a hard time to be vulnerable and ask for yeah. how because mm-hmm. yeah. we're taught to grieve alone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we really need our people to reach out to us, mm-hmm. drop by, bring some groceries, mm-hmm. right? What do you need? I like to do that. Send them mm-hmm. something in the mail, mm-hmm. send them an edible arrangement and a mm-hmm. note. Like it's those small intentional actions we can take mm-hmm. um, to let people know that they're top of mind. And that in one week from now, we're not just going to forget mm-hmm. or in three months from now, right? We don't just automatically forget and move on from our loss because it's been a month. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It'd be nice if it worked like that, (laughs) but that's not reality. No. Well, you've given us a lot to consider here. We definitely unpacked a lot, and I think it was nice that you gave a different perspective on grief and what it really is, because a lot of people, we don't talk about it often enough, right? Yeah. Um, So thank you for very much for joining us for this. Uh, We really appreciate having you here and having your wisdom and your calming presence you have such a calming presence about you and i really value that so thanks man thank you (laughs) thank you guys for having me yeah no it's been a pleasure so i mean i guess now we're gonna talk about so how can people get a hold of you Mm -hmm. and you know your center and kind of i mean we know it's located in edmonton alberta right so Yes, in the Capilano area. And we do telehealth now. So we've learned to adapt with COVID. So fortunately, we offer all of our services online and Mm -hmm. then hopefully back in person soon. Mm -hmm. So we can be reached at healmyheart.ca. They can find us. Our handle on Instagram and Facebook is at Grief and Trauma Healing Center. And they can call us 780-288-8011. Awesome. And we'll link that all in the description below. Yeah. We definitely will. Thank you. Anything else you want to share? Gosh, there's so much. I love, (laughs) I've loved talking about grief because we could just go on for hours. But I think the big thing is people are not alone. 
Like if someone is listening, going through a loss, you are not alone in your suffering. It's the common thread that connects each and every one of us. And I've made it my life's mission to really humanize this experience that we all share. Mm -hmm. And so I've been there. We've all been there. And if you're finding it difficult to move forward, um, don't hesitate to reach out to, to, mm-hmm. to someone in the community, someone on our team, mm-hmm. um, so that we can support you in your mm-hmm. journey. Awesome. Thanks, Ashley. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Thanks for listening, everybody. We'll see you next time.